welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Pranatika Sinha Dave Berman. Pranatika is the founder of One Million Against Abuse, a public charitable trust which focuses on advocacy around issues relating to personal safety education. She began her work on child sexual abuse at the age of 10, founding the NGO Elan in 2007. Her petition on change.org has garnered 261,318 signatures of support for the implementation of mandatory personal safety education in all Indian schools. Her work on sexual abuse awareness has been widely featured in leading national and international media, and she is currently developing age-appropriate personal safety education curriculum, which she hopes will be included as part of Indian school curriculums across all education boards. She is also writing a book that will highlight her personal journey of surviving childhood sexual assault and rape, and being one of the youngest people to start an awareness campaign on the issue. She's an advocate of digital learning and has over 600 completed certificate courses under her belt. She is currently completing a course in POSH, Protection of Women from Sexual Harassment Training, and another in Crime Scene Investigation. Her previous job was as the head of media for Jagriti Yatra, an NGO which focuses on igniting the entrepreneurial spirit of youth living in Middle India. Hi, Pranatika. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you tonight? Hello, Tess. Thank you very much for having me on Revolutionary Women. I'm doing very well. Good to know. That's great. Well, um, I have a lot of questions. Um, so to start off with, can you tell me a little bit about yourself before I go for the questions? I am based in India. I am from Kolkata in mm -hmm. the state of West Bengal. And mm -hmm. I spent a fair chunk of my life here. Okay. And uh, I belong to a very, very, very large family, mm. but uh, essentially grew up in a very nuclear environment. Okay. And uh, that was kind of a blessing. Oh, <laughs> it cool. allowed me to pursue my goals. Yeah. So um, that, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Basically, so... me in a nutshell. <laughs> Well, okay, so I, I read that you were adopted when you were a baby and, and now live in, yes. and have lived in Kolkata since. So how was it growing up yes. for you in Kolkata? It was, it was really good. I mean, uh, Calcutta is one of those uh, cities which is very, uh, is more intellectually inclined. So the art, the scene here is really good. So mm -hmm. I grew up with a lot of, you know, creative inspiration. I grew up, uh, again, in a very, very privileged environment. Mm -hmm. And um, I enjoyed my life. I was I was told I was adopted when I was about four years old. And okay. I was told that, you know, it's something to be proud of, mm -hmm. which, again, you know, I think that was the first barrier which my parents helped me to break because adoption itself is another issue in India, mm. uh, which is still, you know, it has carries a lot of uh, stigma. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's how it was. Okay. Uh, well, OK. Up. So I also read that you growing up, you felt like you were living mm -hmm. two lives. What did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I started um, actually thinking about uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, child-unfriendly topics uh, at, from a young age because my parents actually split up uh, when I was five and then I was blamed for that uh, oh, wow. unfortunate breakup. Uh, really? They did, they did actually get back together. Yeah, they, they got back together after a decade. 
Oh but in the gosh. meantime, I was bullied. I was bullied. And it was a kind of bullying that, you know, school children do. Unfortunately, it was not school children. It was my own people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from a very young age, you know, I remember at the age of five being, uh, there was a small incident which made me realize that, you know, uh, something was really wrong mm. with uh, my life, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I just like to share it. So I returned from school. And um, again, in India, very, very hot. You feel very lazy. And I didn't feel like doing something simple. I didn't feel like taking off my shoes, washing up and eating lunch. I just mm-hmm. sat. Mm-hmm. That's all I was doing. I was just sitting and cooling myself. And um, my grandmother actually came to me and said, you know, she started being unnecessarily aggressive, in my opinion. And uh, then she said, you know, this is the problem. This is you, you are the problem here. You're adopted and you caused your parents to break up. You're the problematic person here. Oh and gosh. I remember just... Uh, you know, my family has always spoken to me like I was an adult. Nobody ever babied me or used baby language with me. So I was very, very articulate even at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just remember feeling uh, the sense of dread mm. and the sense of being alone because it was also a time when I wasn't allowed to see my dad. Wow. And I thought, okay, my dad disappeared and mm-hmm. that's my fault. Oh my god! You know, so it was a it was a bad version of Home Alone where Kevin uh, Arnold, where Macaulay Culkin says, you know, I made my family disappear. Yeah. So I was like, I made my dad disappear, and it was a bad version of that. Mm. And uh, I remember just going to the bathroom, picking up, you know, something sharp, and I just self harmed for the first time. Mm. And after that, the minute I did that, I thought to myself, was my grandmother really correct? Because mm-hmm. she she was she not, didn't have bad intentions. She just said what she said, mm-hmm. and it was wrong. Mm-hmm. But I realized at that point that you know I was going to have uh, quite the future ahead of me if I was going to fight battles like this. Yeah, you know, fight the battle for my own identity, right. fighting the battle to belong. Just a very basic thing which a child needs. A child needs family and community to in order to thrive. Yeah, and I was, you know, um, I think. Um, aware of the fact that uh, that my situation was different. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I when I say living two lives, I think that was the changing point for me. Even though it wasn't particularly campaign related, mm-hmm. but later mm-hmm. as I started working against child sexual abuse, again I felt that sense of loneliness. Mm. And in order to survive, I developed a social side and I developed a private side. Right. So my social side would pretend to be happy when I wasn't. Mm. It would pretend to be funny and I do have natural comedic timing it's a small little blessing Mm -hmm. and I would use that to let people know that oh look and look I'm the class clown there's nothing wrong with me I'm completely fine you know Mm -hmm. I might be adopted I might be the reason my parents broke up I might be a very very bad kid but Mm -hmm. hey look I'm making you laugh please accept me wow and then the other side was a very upset very angry person because I knew that the first side was a front Mm mm-hmm yeah, you know, for sure. and I, and, and unfortunately, you know, when you have to fake and, and survive and develop the survival instincts from that young of an age, yeah. it, it does mess you up. You mm-hmm. automatically become more perceptive for your age. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. So that, that's what I mean by having two sides and two lives, because the, the you know, the, the, it was the, an actual yin and yang, mm-hmm. you know, and, and somewhere in between the yin and yang was the real me, who was definitely funny, definitely social, definitely someone who wanted to be happy Mm -hmm. but at the same time was just afraid and mistrustful distrustful of everything wow holy cow and and to have that kind of responsibility at a young at such a young age you know to have to actually like you said grow up a lot faster (laughs) you know grow up grow up a lot faster mature faster because 
mm-hmm. of you you weren't sure you know who you could trust or or what was going to happen so you really had to yes. create the two lives that you had wow okay yes, um absolutely huh okay so you are the ceo and founder of 1 million against abuse what is mm-hmm. 1 million against abuse and what prompted you to create it um, so One Million Against Abuse is a culmination of all the work I did, you know, for about 25 years odd. Hmm. And uh, it's uh, the current objective is to make personal safety education a compulsory subject in all Indian schools mm-hmm. and also in all institutes. Because unfortunately, um, in India, the knowledge around personal safety education is sketchy. Mm-hmm. It is restricted to very, very elite zones. So, you know, we have the eight metro cities in India uh, Uh and the rest of the cities that we have and the rest of the states that we have uh, are developing. They're in a developing stage. Mm -hmm. So personal safety education is not prioritized. However, these are the areas where abuse is most prevalent because people do not know about what abuse is. If you don't know what the the issue is and if you don't know what boundaries are, how are you going to maintain those boundaries? Mm -hmm. So... um, so one million against abuse, that is one of the objectives. Mm-hmm. The other one is uh, slightly audacious, but I know it's going to, you know, come be successful. Uh, I want to create a, a network of a million supporters from around the world, across all disciplines, across all walks of life, religions, etc. Mm-hmm. Because I think that we need an entire community to tackle the issue of sexual assault. Yeah. And I might be based in India, but I feel I, I notice that that sexual assault is prevalent worldwide. Mm-hmm. And despite yeah. even the U.S. and Canada and other countries having legislation against sexual assault, they have monitoring mechanisms, they have vigilance commissions, all of that. Mm-hmm. We, there is still a lot of abuse that goes, you know, under the carpet. Right. And yeah. I feel that a more united response, mm-hmm. a united universal response mm-hmm. would help. And this applies especially to sexual abuse online. Oh, because my gosh, that is yes. where Yes. Uh, yes. That that industry is not spoken of enough. Right. However, it is one of those horrendous things uh, in in society which actually unites people from around the world. Mm. So my solution with one million against abuse as a network is to be is to make people aware of this and to give them the opportunity and the tools to tackle it when they come across it because most people do not know who to talk to. Mm-hmm. They do not know whom to connect with. Right. Well, you know, so that and just to bridge a few gaps. That and I and I'm sorry to interrupt, but also I mean I think s- someone who's been victimized by sexual abuse, there's so much stigma around mm-hmm. it that they don't know whether they will a be you know be victimized mm-hmm. again once they say something. Yes. So they run it, it yes. runs the risk of of like being victimized all over again. So I, I can understand why women especially would not want to you know like say anything because mm-hmm. it just you know, yes. especially in developing worlds they like you said if they don't mm-hmm. know anything about it they don't know what it is mm-hmm. you know that to them it's like oh it must have been my fault when it clearly wasn't mm-hmm. when it clearly yes. isn't so it's it, mm-hmm. i mean so i mean how do you think 1 million against abuse creating this network would really impact the victims I think that the first thing that, you know, first taking it from my personal story, taking inspiration from that, Mm -hmm. um, what really helped me was finding the courage and a small little safe space 
to share my experience in order to unburden myself. That was step number one in my healing process. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've noticed that whether, you know, again, regardless of what person's gender or background, the first thing people say after they disclose, you know, an abuse experience for the first time, mm-hmm. they say, I feel so much better now. Mm. And if that is the one takeaway that I can offer to people, the most basic one, mm-hmm. it would be to provide a safe platform or a safe private space or resources for people who just want to unburden because everybody is not going to be in that place where they are they want to pursue legal action especially in my country currently Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not a good idea Um, quite frankly the poxo cases we have a law here poxo Mm -hmm. um, protection of uh, children from sexual offenses act 2012 Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, if you just Google Poxo Act India and look at it under the news section, mm-hmm. there are close to 100,000 cases pending in the high court. Really? Oh, present. my gosh. That's and, huge. And I just, yeah. And if we take into account, if we juxtapose a statistic here of only, say, 10 to 15 percent of cases being reported and reaching the courts, uh-huh. and this is the status of those cases, imagine the status of the cases that have not been reported. Right. Right, of you course. You know, somebody has just filed uh, a report with the police, which right. quite frankly is, is uh, I, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say anything too bad about our police, but mm-hmm. unfortunately when it comes to child sexual abuse, mm-hmm. they have a lot to learn. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's really, it's a dismal, it's a dismal uh, um, uh, atmosphere when it comes to anything child rights related in this country. Mm-hmm. And I know that speaking out about it is currently, you know, anything mm. you say about the country that is not positive, you kind of held up for. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it needs to be said. Right. I think it yeah. needs to be said. And, and I, I applaud you for, for doing so, especially when you said you have your own personal experience. Um, how old mm-hmm. were you when you had that experience? Uh, I was four. Um, oh my gosh. When I was, uh, yeah, I was um, sexually assaulted by a family member. Oh, and I, at that point of time, it, it's common. I mean, I've known 10 day old babies who've been through it. Oh. And I can't imagine, you know, what I can't imagine, you know, uh, the, the state of people younger than myself and less privileged yeah. than myself. Oh my but gosh. yes, of course, my, uh, my experience was traumatic. Mm-hmm. And uh, the worst part is that, um, I think, you know, uh, I knew something was wrong. And that's also some another takeaway for, from the campaign is that children are not stupid. Mm-hmm. Children mm-hmm. are very perceptive. Children have a gut instinct that is very well developed by the time they're three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, a professional would be able to expand on this more. But mm-hmm. as a child and re- with a very good memory myself, I remember feeling very strange from mm-hmm. within, mm-hmm. Say, thinking to myself that this was very weird. This was unusual. This mm-hmm. was wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like a very creepy environment that I did not want to be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, part of. Mm-hmm. And um, I was so traumatized. Remember, I didn't remember the experience till I was about 20, 22. And I was on a television program. Oh, wow. Uh, speaking, you know, we were doing with telecallers, you know, they were calling in and asking me as an expert on the subject uh-huh. uh, as to what they should do in particular situations at home. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman said, you know, my son is crying. He's four years old. He has these weird marks on his body. And, you know, he's a very lazy fellow that way. He's not running around too much. So where are these marks coming from? Hmm. And why doesn't he want to be with his babysitter? Oh, no. And that is immediately on air. And I have that video somewhere. I still wow. have it. I haven't had the courage to watch it. Uh-huh. I remember being being triggered. And I think that was the first and only time I felt triggered. And wow. I remembered 
mm. what happened when I was four. Mm. So oh my gosh. It was tough. It was tough. And the abuser is dead, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And I have absolutely no qualms about saying I'm glad he's dead. I didn't kill him, mm-hmm. but he, I'm glad he's gone. I'm well, glad he's dead. Did you say anything when you when that happened to you? And um, how old I were you couldn't. when you did? Oh, I, you couldn't. Okay. Okay. Um, I told my mother and my father after I returned from the recording of that program. Oh, wow. Okay. And I just said, you know, I haven't told you this because I honestly couldn't remember it enough. Mm. Mm-hmm. I remembered bits and pieces of it. And, you know, when you when you are used to gaslighting yourself as part of your response to trauma, right. you automatically think yeah. that, you know, listen, just because one person molested me or two people molested me doesn't mean everybody who touches me molests me. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. I was gaslighting myself in that way, thinking maybe... Maybe I imagined it. Maybe I did this because the person was a very popular relative, and that's another issue with with abusers. Yeah, they are not these creepy people. Uh, they're not the the, the the Ted Bundys and Jeffrey Dahmers right. and John Wayne Gacy's of the world. They're people in your household, right? Who are always around, very friendly, very sweet. They're the people who are going to sneak you an extra bit of dessert when mm. you're not allowed. You know, so mm-hmm. that was my exact experience. Mm. You know, because obviously the family must have known that my yeah. parents were about to split up. This is just before it happened. Wow. And uh, when I think of the manipulation of this person, he mm-hmm. must have been trying to groom me mm-hmm. for future use. Yeah. I mean, for lack of a better word. Right. Because I moved into that house. Oh, and I lived with my abuser oh. till he died. Oh, my gosh. I lived in that house. And... And I realized all of this on that television program. Oh and I'm just gosh. really grateful that I didn't have a breakdown. Yeah. Because I realized why he would keep coming downstairs. We lived in a huge house. He would keep coming downstairs, sitting with us. And there were times when I was doing my homework mm-hmm. or when I was with my friends. And I didn't want to go hang out with him. I didn't want to play cards with him. I didn't want to play, you know, other games with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And there was a game we would play called Plot 4. It's quite popular. I don't know. It's a little board game for kids. It's, uh, and, and now when I look at that game, I just see it somewhere, you know, and, and I just, I freak out. Hmm. I I feel sick inside. Oh my so gosh. when I didn't want to play, he would start shouting at me. He would start screaming at me. He would call me irresponsible hmm. to the point where even my mother noticed and said, why are you yeah. yelling at her? She's busy with something. She'll hang out with you. Mm-hmm. So you live in the same house. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was weird, but I just think about the manipulation patterns of the abuser, and I realize how much I went through, and it's also a learning experience for me till the present day mm-hmm. because I haven't taken time to focus on myself. Right. You know, when I started my journey, I was the I was the lowest priority. Mm. Wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I. Wow. That's that's a huge thing too to go through and and for so many years because I wow to live in the same household with your abuser that's and and well I can't I don't have words um but I am so glad that you're okay and that you know now you are fighting back and and I love your campaign um so was there an aha moment for you that made you think you needed to create one million against abuse Honestly, I mean, every time I'm asked this question, it just, you know, there are so many aha moments. Mm. And every time I think of the response, I think of different ones. Mm -hmm. But I remember that there was uh, somebody who was volunteering with me when I was very young. I was still in school. Mm -hmm. And um, her brother, her own brother, was the abuser. Mm -hmm. And she belonged to um, a business uh, family. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember that she said, you know, I want to tell my parents. I've kind of tried telling my parents, but they said that if I, if I talk about it publicly, nobody will marry me. And that's oh. that's another part of Indian culture, which right. is uh, why a lot of people, especially women, mm-hmm. never mind the men. This is one issue where men are completely ignored. But mm. uh, the women are told that you know, if you talk about a sexually abusive experience, if you talk about your body being quote unquote violated or mm-hmm. enjoyed mm-hmm. by anybody other than the person you're supposed to be married to, that yeah. means you're automatically a social pariah. Wow. And in this particular business community, mm-hmm. that is prevalent. And it's again, it's not spoken of enough because you mm-hmm. know, money in this community trumps over everything else. Right. So I remember she said, I want to, she was very courageous. I want to talk about it. I don't care what happens. My brother is coming into my room. Why is he coming into my room at night? Why can't he stop? Mm-hmm. And, um, wow. you know, so I, I did speak with the family. I did, uh, and, and I was very young. I just want to put this out there in case anybody wants to repeat any of these actions. Mm-hmm. Please don't repeat any of these actions. They mm-hmm. are very stupid. Mm-hmm. I walked into this person's house. Mm-hmm. No police. No oh. social worker. I'm a kid walking in with her friend oh, to confront wow. an entire family of adults. Oh wow! <laughs> and I did, and they were su- they were surprisingly very nice. Uh-huh. They said, "Oh yes, you know this is not correct. You know this is really messed up." And yes, yes, of course, this is you know we should take some action. And after that, I started getting strange phone calls. Oh, I started gee. getting weird threats. And my city is very small. Everybody knows everybody here. Uh And uh, my name had become pretty synonymous with child sexual abuse awareness. So I kept hearing things on the lines of, you know, Mm. uh, I must be doing this for attention. And, you know, uh, later on when I got, yeah, they they like, they really like messing with you. Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other countries, but since I am representing this issue from my country's perspective, I think this mentality should come out. Mm -hmm. Because it's the mentality that, that lets abuse of children be okay mm-hmm. when it's not mm-hmm. oh my gosh so that was my aha moment i said you know i can either sink or swim and i chose to fly instead i said never mind i'm going to do what i need to do yeah because i was already suicidal i was already self-harming and i didn't mm. really care at that point of time if anything happened to me my self-preservation mm-hmm. um, uh, priority was extremely low yeah well why do you think so sexual the moment was keep fighting well Okay, so why do you think sexual abuse is such a huge problem? Um, not just in India, but globally. I mean, you mm-hmm. can speak just for India, but I mean, it's such a mm-hmm. huge problem that we just can't seem. I mean, we, we've had strides, of course. We've made strides in, like, you yes. know, legislation and everything, but it's still so prevalent, and, and especially on children. So, you know, children are the most vulnerable, uh, regardless of their their ethnicity mm. um, and and any other any other differences. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing is that I think a lot of people, you know, because sexual abuse again is not about sex; mm-hmm. it's about power. Right. It's about unequal power, and that's ultimately what the abuser is looking to put on another person. Mm-hmm. They're looking to impose on uh, a weaker, someone they perceive as a weaker individual. Right. And children are it, yeah. you know, unfortunately. Yeah. And the worst affected are also a community which we do not speak of, again, around the world, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, which is people living with disabilities, children yeah. from the LGBTQ population, mm-hmm. um, children, in again, in my country, from the marginalized communities, the Dalit 
um, community, the OBCs, the tribal communities, people who are generally ignored for everything anyway, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, they're more vulnerable because even if they have, they have it in them to go and complain, who's going to listen, who's going right. to take their case yeah. and, and help them out. Right. So children, again, are universally, uh, you know, um, vulnerable. And I, was, and I read up on cases uh, from around um, the country, and I also like true crime. So I keep coming up with uh, all these cases from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And some of them are horrific. Mm-hmm. You know, I read one about somebody who had um, uh, filmed a video, and two women were helping him, and it was uh, called oh Daisy's gosh. Destruction. Oh. And it was about the the abuse of an eighteen month year old month uh, girl. Oh my gosh! Whoa! And worse has uh. happened. That's the thing. Worse has happened, and uh, that video has been banned, thankfully. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just goes to show, and people were paying ten thousand dollars per person to view that video. Jeez, that's ten thousand. Okay. Wow, I I don't have words. You know, so it's. Oh. Uh, and in India, it's the same thing. In India, there are people who are using social media platforms mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. they are actually putting up, uh, creating WhatsApp groups and saying, you know, would you like me to do X, Y, Z to my child? I'll pay me this much and let's make it happen. Oh, my gosh. And Facebook and other social media platforms are, seem to be allowing this kind of content on their platforms. But then again, wow. when people like I, when people like myself, yeah. speak out against the issue of sexual abuse, right. uh, I've been banned by Facebook for up to 30 days. Huh. Because I celebrated, I, I celebrated the fact uh-huh. that uh, uh, a rapist in my neighborhood uh-huh. um, had been arrested by the police. I had worked with a lot of people to make that happen, mm-hmm. and he had threatened a fourteen-year-old boy. And when he was arrested, I celebrated. I said, "Thank God he has been arrested." Yeah. And I shared a post courtesy of the Kolkata police from their official page, and I was banned for that. Wow. For speaking so out. it's not like oh, the uh, so, yeah, yeah no the algorithm in terms mm-hmm. of abuse when I'm talking about the network and referring to the question you asked me about the benefit of the network mm-hmm. this is another mm-hmm. thing we need to start working with all these people who keep uh, you know Facebook keeps hiding behind the fact that its algorithm does the work mm. uh, with the community guidelines mm-hmm. uh, I think those algorithms and Facebook itself with the amount of money it has to invest needs to take a stronger action against child sexual abuse on its platform no I I, I totally agree. I do. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine why. I, okay, I'm not even going to go there. But um, wh- So why do you decide to address the education system with regard to your petition? And has the system um, been willing yeah. or not willing to teach about it, the personal safety education? Well, I'm very amused by the education system in India because we recently came across a text uh, around the issue of dowry. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with dowry, I but do. dowry I is am. a system of, okay, so they're saying there was a line and I, uh, it, it was, it was, um, it was so bad. It was funny to read. Mm-hmm. Someone said dowry is very important and it will even allow ugly girls to find husbands. Oh my gosh. This, this what? Is, this is, oh my gosh. Yeah, this is in a, this is in an Indian school book. <laughs> the children children are going to be reading this uh-huh. Uh-huh. amid an already increasingly regressive environment. Mm. We yeah. are already going through a crisis which very few people would like to really expand on because freedom of speech is not particularly there right now. Mm-hmm. 
But if this is the education system, I'm not sure as to how um, how long it will take for personal safety education um, to be implemented. Mm-hmm. However, I have I'm I'm trying to get to the the various decision makers. We have um, the main board of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two primary boards, and then we have state boards and others. Mm-hmm. So so far, uh, you know, I have a petition on change.org that has 2.61 uh, lakh. That's 260,000 plus. Um, signatures cool and it's doing it's doing pretty well yeah the numbers are decent yeah um yeah. however you know it's only when i see the curriculum mm-hmm. with my own eyes will i believe that they care because a lot of people just you know to shut you up mm-hmm. uh, will say a lot of things they'll make a lot of promises and then uh you know they'll forget about you right yeah so well, um, well okay so i have faith but yeah. i'm also doubtful I have to be practical here. Have to be very practical here. Yeah, I I I understand that. But if the petition goes through and PSE does become mm-hmm. part of the curriculum in schools, how 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 do you think yep. it would affect families who don't agree that PSE should be taught in schools? It will affect um, families in a big way because we have used for the longest time we have used. Um, sexual assault, unfortunately, to subjugate people. Mm, we've mm-hmm. used sexual abuse as a punishment. Not only that, we've used corporal punishment. We've right. used uh, bullying. We've used harassment of, yeah. on various levels mm-hmm. to te- to show people their place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, again, universal. Mm-hmm. So in, in context with India, where yeah. we do have these arranged marriage systems, we have a lot of silence and hypocrisy around gender and sexuality related topics mm-hmm. um it's going to create quite uh, a storm mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time it's going to be also something which empowers people and it is the right thing to do yeah i find it so i find it so difficult to wrap my head around the fact that people are okay we we call women brave hearts mm. in the delhi in the unfortunate delhi gang rape case of 2012 where oh, I remember uh, the that. survivor unfortunately lost her life yes we called her india's daughter we called her brave hearts a uh, brave heart sorry mm-hmm. and then what occurred to me in that situation is because she passed away mm-hmm. she was called a brave heart had she not passed away and had she rebuilt her life yeah and had she worn her her pair of jeans and her high heels and gone out for a movie with her male companion later after a few mm-hmm. years, she would have probably been called someone who's asking for it. Wow. Because how dare she survive? Oh so my sacrifice yeah. is, is, is seen uh, better, seen as better than survival. Huh. You know, we also had um, the sati system in India where if uh, a husband passed away before the wife, the wife was supposed to voluntarily jump into his funeral pyre, into the fire with him. Mm. And, uh, you know, so mm-hmm. that nobody else could have her because she belonged to him and without her, he was, she was nothing. Wait, th- does that, so we have that, does that still go on? Does that still go on? Sati, Sati was abolished okay. by Dr. Uh, uh, Ramohan Roy, Raja um, uh, many, many years ago. However, okay. there are a lot of similar practices. Wow. There are uh, the the widows um, in certain parts of India who have to follow certain culture, certain rituals. They have to isolate themselves. They're not allowed to wear color. 
Hmm. They're not allowed to live life in a way that would suggest that they are enjoying life. Wow. They are supposed to treat the rest of their lives as penance. Oh my gosh. So this this culture of blame is generational. Yeah. Yeah. So and I know that we've gotten into a bit of history mm-hmm. and legislation here but mm-hmm. uh despite sati being abolished I, I we do have honor killings. Mm-hmm. Uh if yeah. one person from one caste falls in love with another person from another caste they're killed. Oh we have gosh. a caste system in India which still exists from the ancient times yeah. wherein if uh, a child uh, this is an actual case which occurred a small a little child was thirsty and they went to drink some water from a temple which had a, a little facility there and they were beaten badly what um because because they were from a dalit community oh my gosh i've okay i've definitely read up on the dalit Jeez. So uh beat up because oh my gosh. They drank some water from a temple. How dare a Dalit individual go wow. to a temple and how dare they touch the pure waters uh the pure water of the the higher the upper so-called upper caste. Now, now the Dalit are known also as the untouchables, correct? Is that That's the same correct. thing? That's okay. Correct. Yes. Oh my lord. Oh my yes. lord. Oh my god. Okay, I'm I'm like okay. I mean I know that there's like yeah, different so, practices in different countries you know regarding yes. a- abuse a- and it's just mm-hmm. horrifying to think that you know someone who's a child who's just thirsty and then it gets beaten up for for water you know for for drinking for, it's uh, like for drinking some yeah yeah for uh, drinking water that's that's exactly you know when I when I try to get to the root of the problem and I'm also so grateful to you for sharing this platform with me where i can express my views mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand that when we speak of systematic violence mm-hmm. and systematic subjugation against of children women and others mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh in in india we're talking about hundreds of years yeah. worth of this systematic progression right. and nobody wants to really deal with it and mm-hmm. currently we are in a place where a lot of these practices which were otherwise possibly existed mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not highlighted in a right. positive way right are now being highlighted in a positive way mm. and it does contribute a lot to child sexual abuse and when i was much younger naturally out of my own uh, ignorance mm-hmm. uh, and my age i didn't realize about anything about systematic violence i didn't think about the fact that reaching out to different parts of my country mm-hmm. would involve educating myself on all these practices because as i said my city kolkata mm-hmm. is still intellectually we're in a good place we can have events where we speak our minds mm-hmm. we can speak with people openly enough and of course there's a lot of double standards here as well there's a lot right. of hesitation yeah. here a lot of um hypocrisy everything mm-hmm. but if i were to go to let's say a village in in a in, in maybe uttar pradesh mm-hmm. i might i might face some problems hmm. wow you know so oh my gosh and how was it during the pandemic do you think it became worse during the pandemic uh, it uh, became uh, a lot more pronounced mm. uh, during the pandemic because first in 2020 lockdown from march 2020 mm-hmm. the uh, schools closed right. offices closed yeah and uh, of course it took some time for work from home protocols etc to be implemented mm-hmm. so what would happen is um, 
a lot of uh, abuse cases, meaning domestic abuse right. cases, uh, marital rape cases, and child sexual abuse cases began being reported. Mm -hmm. And horrifyingly, um, I have a statistic for you again, uh -huh. where within six months, mm -hmm. India's leading helpline called Childline mm -hmm. um, received 92,000 distress calls from children. 92,000 distress calls from children. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it was widely written about. And when I looked at the statistic, I thought, oh, OK, this is probably over a period of time. This uh -huh. can't be, you know. And then I checked with someone who I knew and they said, no, no, this is this is the statistic. And this is the only ones that have been, you know, documented cases. Wow. Um, there have been cases where somebody has tried calling and they've hung up. Oh. Or they've tried, they've emailed for help, and then they've just said, "Oh no, no, the issue's resolved. It's okay. We don't, we don't need your help anymore." Wow. Um, when it when it hasn't terrifying. been, when it hasn't been resolved, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. I you know, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate very much that we can speak about child sexual abuse prevalence in India currently, mm -hmm. and we do have some numbers to back it up. Mm -hmm. But when I started working against sexual abuse, I remember in 2004, the first article about my work was published, mm -hmm. where I said that boys were sexually abused more than girls. Mm -hmm. And people laughed at me. People absolutely laughed at me and they said, no, no, you don't get it. Women are abused. Women are always the victims. Men are the abusers. Men are the rapists. Mm. My own father was a survivor of sexual abuse as a child. Wow. You know, and oh he and he was, um, I'm so grateful to him uh -huh. for, uh, you know, surprising me. I was on a, I was on a national television program yet again, mm -hmm. um, with a, again, with a male filmmaker, a very famous uh, filmmaker in India called Anurag Kashyap, who's also a survivor. Mm. And my father suddenly comes, you know, they have these clips from your family that mm -hmm. they show on the program. Okay. So my father actually, being the election commissioner, told the audience that he was proud of me and mm. that he loved me and that, he sh that people should talk about sexual assault and that he himself, a big hulking bodybuilder, a six foot four bodybuilder uh -huh. was also abused and that it can happen to anybody. You don't have to be a particular because for men, yeah. the physical appearance has a lot to do with vulnerability. So he said, look at me, I'm a big dude. Mm. I'm a huge dude. Mm -hmm. But there was a time when I was a little dude mm. and I was vulnerable. Wow. And he, and he said, it doesn't matter whether you're big, small, rich, poor. It doesn't matter. Don't keep thinking that sexual abuse in India is only for you know, uh, affecting women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was 2008 when this happened. And later, you know, when I started working, even, you know, getting even deeper into related issues, mm -hmm. then we suddenly woke up to the fact, ah, never mind the gender binary. We have trans persons. Where are the trans person stories? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, sure. So that's another, that's another yeah. subject altogether. For sure. Whoa. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm just listening to what you're saying and it's like I'm glad that it's coming out that all of this is coming up but at the same time I'm horrified that it is like it's still going on and I was I, I was surprised to hear just now that like the, the statistics of boys being abused is higher you know yes. than girls it's higher it is higher um, people will have their opinions on this they will say that you know, maybe a lot of more women could have spoken up during the particular study that was conducted, etc. Mm -hmm. However, as somebody who, um, uh, you know, as, a, as just a child, as just a kid, mm -hmm. as somebody who was 
actively speaking with and documenting right. very basic information i was not a researcher still i'm not a researcher right. in the present day but i still have the ability to say this is for this person is identifies as male this person identifies mm-hmm. as female this person identifies as trans mm-hmm. and they have been through xyz type of abuse based on just that very basic research mm-hmm. that basic documentation i can tell you that men and trans persons are abused much more if not more frequently right um than right. what we call the cis het females and of course the harassment is prevalent mm-hmm. but in terms mm-hmm. of the people who have spoken out about the abuse i mm-hmm. do feel that women have a little bit i wouldn't say advantage this is terrible that's a terrible word to use mm-hmm. the, the women have a little more let's say opportunity right to yeah. speak about right. being sexually abused because it's kind of taken for granted oh if you're a woman and you've been harassed yeah we can believe you we mm-hmm. can believe that you've been harassed mm-hmm. and of course there there be varying reactions to that right. but if a man comes up right a yeah. trans woman comes up right. somebody who identifies across the the, the gender spectrum comes mm-hmm. up and says oh i've been through this i would like to speak about my experience mm-hmm. i'd like some help yeah. that's where the the discrimination starts wow even within organizations working against sexual assault mm-hmm. because in india we are still educating ourselves on uh i would say just being humane towards people who are uh, outside the gender binary right you yeah. know so that's uh, the, you know as we, as i keep talking i realize how much work there is to do yeah. there's a lot to unpack yeah, there's a lot to unpack oh, there's a but, lot of levels of vulnerability to unpack and right, uh, it's right. quite a daunting task to be honest yeah i mean but i i love that you are committed to it and and are really like pushing for this because it it's so it's so necessary um not just in india but i think it's it's needed everywhere um you know so if i had ask you what keeps you up at night what would you say <laughs> uh this honestly something from canada keeps me up late <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, I'm 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 currently I'm currently writing a book actually on um child, on on just my 26 years of working in the field of child sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine it it can be quite it can be quite uh quite a task. Mm-hmm. So um what I do for every story um and for also unfortunately and this is kind of sad, difficult to talk about but for all the people I've lost mm. um you know as friends or people who have unfortunately died by suicide or people who have, who have shared their stories and you know mm-hmm. just uh, just to to honor them mm-hmm. uh, i am making 1 million pieces of jewelry oh and uh, it's something that keeps me going because it's a creative pursuit it just keeps me from you know getting into my own toxic habits mm-hmm. which you know i used to use as a child mm-hmm. uh, i would not i would still say I'm, i struggle with that so my my point of distraction is to do something creative mm-hmm. while i work so that i'm not um you know inclined to doing anything harmful right uh, and that is a real threat when wow. you're working with cases every day mm-hmm. your own cases come your own case comes back to haunt you you realize yeah. you haven't received justice and you know things happen mm-hmm. that are a little difficult to talk about mm-hmm. but i do have a, a guilty pleasure <laughs> which is i watch a reaction channel um <laughs> canada mm-hmm. where the person is based in canada and if she hears this she's going to have a laugh mm-hmm. but this person is someone i started watching in 2020 i remember i was in my bathtub on my birthday with nothing to do i wanted to give up on my campaign i wanted to just stop mm. writing my book i wanted to stop everything mm-hmm. and i just heard the energy of this woman speaking mm-hmm. uh and um you know i'm just going to call her frenchy mm-hmm. because that's her, that's that's her that's 
her her online name mm-hmm. but this woman i've never met her mm-hmm. but she in such a weird way has inspired me and the timing was such that she inspired me to keep going so every time i'm writing something even when i was writing my responses um to to some questions that you had asked me mm-hmm. Jess, i was listening to her in the background and just going ha ha ha, ha. Mm-hmm. you know it was mm-hmm. just it just sometimes you need and i keep saying this to survivors you need to have a little guilty pleasure you need to do something completely for yourself completely yeah. ridiculous right yeah. and it will help you focus on your task at hand especially if your task is is trauma based mm-hmm. wow you know it's really helped my campaign so big shout out of appreciate appreciation to her and mm. this we call ourselves the girl gang girl spelled g o r l and you know there's just uh, it's so wonderful to randomly in the middle of the gossip and all that we do mm-hmm. i do actually educate myself on sexual abuse cases in canada mm-hmm. i educate mm-hmm. myself on how you have systems over there mm-hmm. i am so surprised uh, pleasantly surprised that you know cases of domestic violence etc are taken seriously mm-hmm. i mean you call the police mm-hmm. and the police actually show up mm-hmm. on the same day wow okay yeah that's amazing huh that that is incredible what well, oh, they don't try taking money from the survivor that is also quite unique okay. you know so i mean yeah. in the middle of the fun i educate myself okay well so Okay. Why why are you surprised that when you mentioned that the police would come the same day? What would happen if you reported a crime like that in India? They don't come that right away? You know, justice and access to justice are huge ah, um got it. talking points in India. So got me it. speaking as an extremely privileged woman mm-hmm. who can actually Uh, communicate mm-hmm. what has happened firstly mm-hmm. uh, i live opposite a police station by the way so for me it would be very easy if i went through something mm-hmm. to go to the police station and they would take my complaint hopefully however you'd mm-hmm. be surprised even for people like myself mm-hmm. who are privileged police are not very willing to lodge a case to mm-hmm. file to, to register a complaint pardon me mm-hmm. they are not re- willing to register one mm-hmm. so it's a struggle for us mm-hmm. and uh, we are people who can actually call higher powers and you know do all mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, and and get things done but for people who live in tier 2 tier 3 india yeah the idea of of even talking to your mother about being sexually abused right is a big deal never right. mind never mind calling the police yeah in uh, uttar pradesh there have been cases mm-hmm. uh, i'm sorry for bringing uttar pradesh up so much but it is a very problematic state when it comes to sexual abuse of women mm-hmm. um it is really sad um and the police over there uh, have done two things one is they will harass people women who are talking about being not only sexually abused but just raped and gang raped because mm-hmm. that culture is prevalent there unfortunately mm-hmm. as they said sexual abuse is punishment mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it is used and the women are maximum times the victims of this wow. um they will actually ask you to physically show them oh my god in a very perverted way as to what happened wow Oh my god. Who, yeah, and for the rare cases there was a case also where um I did start a petition about this. There is no witness protection mm. program in India. Mhm. Uh that is also something that is there abroad. Mm-hmm. Um there's also no registry uh, uh what you call it uh, a sex offender registry. There's nothing like that mm. in India. Okay. So oh um, criminals just get away there's no accountability so there was a case where a woman had actually had the courage to file a case mm-hmm. and her brother was shot dead as he was entering the courtroom wow for the hearing wow. there was another woman in Hy- in uh, Hyderabad mm-hmm. uh, the south the south of india 
um, the, this is uh, Priyanka Reddy, and she complained about sexual assault. She then her her bike mysteriously cycle something broke down, and she was burned to death. Oh so my Lord. even if the police arrive, yeah. even if you are rich or even if you belong to the the you know um, the non-marginalized religion mm-hmm. in India, you mm-hmm. are still vulnerable. The system is still failing you. Uh, it's oh. still failing you. That's just and which is why when I speak with these people abroad and yeah. they tell me, no, no, we have a sex offender registry. You can you can uh, find out mm-hmm. uh, if you know you have sex offenders living in the vicinity. There is a system that way, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the sex offender has to apparently inform mm-hmm. uh, the local authorities if they are moving to yep. a particular locality. Yeah, and they have to maintain a certain distance from children. Yes, over here in India, I can't even think of having that system. Hmm. I can't even think about that. So it's a very it's, it's educational for me to be you know interacting with people and understanding these policies, mm-hmm. uh, and of course it it inspires me to try and include these policies in you know the work that One Million Against Abuse would like to do in this country. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, considering where we stand, right. just from the perspective of not wanting to shake off an archaic mentality, right? Not wanting to address the patriarchal construct, not wanting to address the caste system mm-hmm. that is still prevalent. Mm. Um, it's it's going to be a long battle. Yeah. Oh, I I oh, I can understand that. <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, um, yeah. so. With all of that, I mean, who would you credit for where you are now? Oh, my parents. Mm. My mom first, mm-hmm. my dad second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's nobody else. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's nobody else, and I don't know if there's a higher power. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there has obviously got to be a universal power, something that has been preventing me from killing myself all these years. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to sound dramatic, it is, uh, you know, a rare moment of vulnerability for me to be saying this. But honestly, uh, as I'm as I'm documenting this, as I'm also expanding one million against abuse and registering as a trust, mm-hmm. um, I just think of the two people who've inspired me. And uh, you know, without my mom and dad, I yeah. don't think I had anyone. Wow. I don't think anyone genuinely cared. Hmm. That's wild. That that's so. That's incredible. Okay. Um. So. From this, do you have any other personal goals? And what are your goals for One Million Against Abuse? Uh, For One Million Against Abuse, um, I have uh, stepped out of my comfort zone in a big way this Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I do have the pandemic to credit for it. It allowed me time to reflect on what I really wanted to do and which direction I wanted to take this campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, because as I mentioned, there are so many issues to deal with that you can't stick your fingers in every pie. You have to prioritize. Right. Um, so the first goal is obviously personal safety, mm-hmm. um, education. I'm going to I'm going to keep fighting till that happens. I'm going to win. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is to create the one million against abuse um, network of stakeholders and survivors and just honestly, every citizen I can think of and to not restrict the network to India. Mm-hmm. There is so much to learn from our people around the world. Right. Yeah. That I really want to have that strength. Mm-hmm. I want to have that power to be able to reach out. And I want people to be able to have access to us because even sitting in, in India, mm-hmm. if I find somebody going through sexual assault and I happen to have a resource, I happen to have a helpline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just sharing that, that small little act can make a world of difference and save a life. 
Yeah. So with One Million Against Abuse as a network, that is my primary goal. Mm -hmm. Get people together. Get okay. people together and share the resource. Mm -hmm. You know, that is because that is one thing that's not being done. You assume that someone can easily Google the number or mm -hmm. find uh, the procedure for, you know, reporting a complaint, you know, right. of sexual abuse or rape or anything. Yeah. The truth is, most people don't even know that India mm. has a law against child sexual abuse. Wow. There was a case in India, for example, there was a case in India where a child was unfortunately, he had his throat slit oh. in in um, in the classroom, in the, sorry, in the bathroom of the school when he oh was, I think, gosh. four or five years old. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the CCTVs, yeah, the CCTVs were conveniently switched off. Oh, And the media, uh -huh. the, the media stepped all over the crime scene. Mm. They compromised the crime scene and pictures of the of the unfortunate child were all over. They're oh, still there. Wow. I would not advise looking at them, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, and I should have issued a trigger warning. I apologize. But mm. those pictures are all over the place. And we mm. the, the fact that we don't know that the school is legally obligated to report the issue to the police. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it will be shut down. Mm hmm pending hmm. further investigation right just yeah. sharing that information can yeah. encourage accountability from even my school right right you know so yeah. i that, that's what i'm saying i'm realizing that with one million against abuse people ask me what the goals are and i really want to talk about big huge goals mm -hmm. but i feel like the one goal that we really need to have is to normalize even talking about boundaries mm -hmm. and that and, and talking about boundaries is important Right. But it's also important to know what to do when the boundaries are crossed. Yes. Yes, I agree. And this applies to men, women, trans persons. I want to also make my campaign as inclusive as possible. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have failed myself mm -hmm. by not looking into this deeper than I should have. Mm -hmm. So I would like a lot of people from the marginalized communities, a lot of them have already come forward. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving them the platform. I'm not going to be a mouthpiece for them. I'm not mm -hmm. going to be a gatekeeper for marginalized uh, you know, individuals. Right. They are going to take the lead mm -hmm. and tell us how we can be better allies when we talk about personal safety, when we talk about related issues to personal safety, such as you know the caste system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm not an upper caste myself. I'm a tribal myself. Mm -hmm. But just, but I'm a very privileged tribal. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about personal safety and boundaries to pe with people who have doubled the challenges and doubled the discrimination, how do we work with them? Right. How do we empower them? How do we make sure that when they complain, they don't land up dead? Yeah. Because that happens. Oh, wow. Okay. So the goals of one million are honestly right now, mm -hmm. just win the, uh, win the petition, put it out there, get people together as many as possible. And getting one million people together under one platform is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do have audacious goals. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't think it's audacious. I think I it's amazing. I think it's brilliant. And I think that I do you know, hope the, that. I, I, yeah. I, think it's, I, think we, I think it's possible. And I would oh, yeah. like to also involve uh, more men in the in the conversation and for this you know I want to just go back to my dad mm -hmm. who uh, he unfortunately passed away uh, he had cancer he passed away 10 years ago mm. but for my dad to to inspire me to speak about men mm -hmm. and to encourage men to speak right. about not being the predator but being preyed upon right. is huge yeah but we still don't have enough men talking about sexual assault whether right. it is in India or abroad right uh, my my best friend is a trans woman mm-hmm uh, she's in America. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I get so much inspiration from her as well. I should have mentioned that uh, mm. earlier, mm -hmm. you know, and I just have so many inspirations that are helping me 
with the campaign mm-hmm. and there's so much to do that i will feel overwhelmed if i talk about all the goals but overall we just stick to this one yeah network petition right okay and what would you say to young people who would like to find out more against 1 million against abuse especially young people uh young people i i mean you are the future of the world mm-hmm. and it would be very very beneficial to you and to your future mm-hmm. and to your families also um to not only get involved but to also educate yourself and save yourself from right. from all these horrors and to be there for other people mm-hmm. to be you know at least at minimum mm-hmm. any any person any human being i believe can be a listener yeah anyone can have empathy right and the first thing i would like to tell them is to build on that empathy mm-hmm. build on the empathy learn to listen if somebody discloses abuse because kids talk everybody talks mm-hmm. just listen without judgment yeah that is a piece of advice and of course if they'd like to get involved with 1 million against abuse we are we are very easy to look easy to locate mm-hmm. online and our email address is just 1 million against abuse at gmail please get in touch mm-hmm. uh and you could be any person from any part of the country any age group mm-hmm. um you know ideally not with a with a criminal record pertaining to these issues please mm-hmm. um it's difficult for someone in india to even have that because like i said our system and i know in america there's right. a way to find out yeah uh, and other parts of the world wow but i would encourage young people senior people any people mm-hmm. any people mm-hmm. even if they just want to write in mm-hmm. and just vent yeah that itself could be life changing right and never stop talking about you know your rights never stop talking about boundaries and never stop saying no right when you need to mhm okay my first word was no so i've said it too much for <laughs> situations that did not merit saying a no <laughs> uh, no but no is a powerful word for sure um no is a powerful word absolutely yeah. so is there so some so sorry so is sorry oh yep for sure um is there something you haven't yet done that you would like to do oh uh, it's uh, oh god um this is a loaded question hmm. i i've uh, i've lived a life where my self esteem has been very low hmm. and i have hated myself i have also despite telling people abuse wasn't their fault i have blamed myself for a lot of it mm-hmm. and sometimes i've also sat back and wondered mm-hmm. if some things in my life are the way they are because i was sexually and you know didn't shut up about it mm-hmm. so i am working on myself mm-hmm. I'm working on self-care for the first time in my life. I am setting boundaries which mm-hmm. I never really implemented on for myself before as well. Mm-hmm. Uh sadly. And I also feel that uh you know when it comes to my my personal goals which have little to do with my campaign such mm-hmm. as I do a lot of boudoir modeling. Mm. I do uh my recently was featured as part of a Vogue uh Italia project. Oh, and, wonderful. Uh, that was so that was so that was so wonderful because you know for once I did not have an eating disorder. Uh-huh. I wore what I wanted to wear uh-huh. and I was proud of myself. That's awesome. That those are very basic things which you should feel every day. Yeah. But you know for the first time in my life in my 30s I'm feeling that way. Genuinely. Mm. I didn't amazing. fake anything. I just said, you know, we're not photoshopping the mm-hmm. fat. Mm-hmm. We're not photoshopping the makeup. We're going to go the way we are. Mm-hmm. And we're fine the way we are. So I'm in that zone of finding myself truly. I'm in the zone of doing a lot of creative projects. I do want to set a Guinness World Record for the most number of jewelry pieces made. Again, <laughs> it is it does it does, you know, represent a million stories of survival mm-hmm. on various levels. So it does have a little campaign connection but not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, right. 
I just want to learn to enjoy myself. You know, while mm. I do this work, I really want to enjoy myself. Yeah. And I want to be happier than I am. I'm already happy. Yeah. But I want to continue being happy and I want to give back more to the world. Mm-hmm. I want to make my family proud. Mm-hmm. And maybe after this my some of my family will actually be proud of me instead of maybe being ignoring me a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That 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 hurts a bit to say, but you know, to be honest, I've received more kindness from strangers with regard to my campaign than I have from wow. um, people other than my parents, and it kind of hurts to say that. Mm-hmm. But again, it needs to be said yeah. because this is the reality of people who work on issues mm-hmm. like this. And, and I so appreciate you saying that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, if you had one thing to change that you wish you'd done years ago, what would it be? Nothing. Hmm. I would just want to give my younger self a hug that she never received. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Wow. Just that. That's that's I'm very proud of that girl because mm. she screwed up a lot but she learned and she's yep. here. She's yeah. alive. She's no longer self-harming. She's no longer trying to jump off buildings. Mhm. She's kicking ass. I love and that. And I'm very proud. I love that. Oh, Pranatika, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your life with with me and and my show and you know i i so applaud you for what you're doing and i do hope it passes i do hope that this conversation will open more conversations you know for, and and get to the whoever needs to know about this and whoever needs to like express themselves for whatever whatever they've been through because it's so important you know to speak about it it's so important to learn more about it and i really hope Absolutely. that your petition goes through and you know and you said something about a book so please let me know it, when that comes out because i would love to read it Absolutely. i would love to just that's support you that's going to be that's going to be a very important book thank you yeah. so much and um, i just a little a little note about the book mm-hmm. Um, the last book on child sexual abuse in India was mm-hmm. written in the year 2000. Since then, <laughs> nobody has uh, chosen to take on the issue, and I understand people have their reasons. I respect all of those reasons. Right. Uh, right. But this book is going to be very important, and it's going to be important worldwide mm-hmm. because the network I was talking about, mm-hmm. it's going to have all the numbers mm-hmm. and resources mm-hmm. and legal provisions from around the world, so that anyone can access the book. from their country whatever it is right. and find out what to do about persons safety it's not just restricted to india because as i said sexual assault is universal the response should be universal yeah that's amazing oh my gosh that's an amazing oh wow well, that i i love that idea and thank you for um letting me know about that but um yeah i really appreciate you know you spending so much time with me and and I really commend you for for like speaking out against abuse and and really like putting yourself out there and creating this so people can actually like you know not just women but men and women and and trans and everyone who's been abused can actually speak out and say look it's not just that person it's me too so I really thank you Absolutely. for that and um I, thank you so much for having me oh i my appreciate gosh. it i appreciate you having the the time to do this and with that i will keep you posted and you know please keep me and uh keep please keep me informed and i will speak with you soon have a good night thank you namaste okay right, namaste <laughs> 
that's our show for today. I've posted more information about Pranatika Sinha Dev Berman on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note, I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.